Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Slim Cockcast. It is I, Slim Cognito, and I already had to run this down, let y'all know what's up, because let's kick this thing off like we never did before. Because right now, I'm going to go ahead and knock out the, you know, the usual segments. We're going to talk about what we've been watching this week and what we've been playing this week and then get into the news. Now, <clears throat> what I've been watching this week, several things actually. Um, so I've been completely caught up on a show called P-Valley and I completely caught up on a show called Atlanta. And both of these shows are amazing actually. I've noticed that Atlanta like exponentially gets better, deeper, and more profound every season. And meanwhile, P-Valley has escalated itself in the perfect pacing to where it can go anywhere from here. It's actually an amazing show. Now, the biggest thing that I've noticed about these shows is that these are some like more accurate depiction of black life in America. You know what I mean? In some aspects. Like, they're not afraid to show how low down and dirty the game can be when it comes to the music biz in Atlanta. And they're not afraid to show the struggles in being a part of it as a human being. They're also not afraid to show NP Valley, like the real parts of people in the South and how they are and just how parasitic some people can be when it comes to running businesses and trying to open up a business and doing this and that and making money off of people in the south because honestly plain and simple when it comes to southern states most of them especially mississippi they're republican and when it comes to people growing up in these places they have their roots here their families here there are some families that literally descended from you know slavery and still here and mississippi used to be one of the most popular ports to bring in slavery um the thing about this that makes it interesting is what a lot of people may not be aware of is that families build businesses and dedicate their entire lives to building these businesses and they pass it down generation to generation and it goes to their children and then their children's children 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 and it keeps going from there some of these businesses do not go away some of them do not quit some of them just do not stop and it keeps getting passed down and that's one of the things that's depicted very accurately in Pete Valley's uh, The Pink Strip Club, which used to be an old juke joint, which used to be a speakeasy uh, during the prohibition for people of color to gather and have a drink and have a good time because they were not allowed in other clubs and were not allowed to, you know, mingle and party with other people. I'm sure I don't need to go into detail about this. Now, the real issue that shows is how these things change over time and bring things together in the middle with how the modern day works and how things used to be. So it's very indicative that an old club turns into a strip club in order to make a money and a profit in the modern day. It makes sense. And every character written in P Valley show have their own motives and things that they go for, whether it's money, whether it's power or whether it's love or lust <laughs> or the intent to kill and there's also the intent for revenge like there's there's very interesting character motivations and character development that i love to see now speaking of character development i gotta tell you that the one character that i do hate because she did not develop change or improve at all has to be miss autumn knight aka miss whatever whatever miss light skinted <laughs> and 
Um, Lisa Ray Nasso McCoy. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, does a great job with her acting role and everything. She's stunningly beautiful. And she handled the role very well. I have to give credit. That being said, the way her character ended in season three was literally the way she began, which is running away, stealing things from people, taking what she wants, and then just getting away. But um, <laughs> it's it's funny because her character, like, I know that there are gonna be other people who praise her character, no matter how trash of a person she is. Um, and yet they would probably put down someone like Main. Well, no, Main is a respectable character, actually. What I'm getting at is this character is being celebrated for doing terrible things that would be villainized for any other person, archetype or whatever. That could be male, person of color, LGBT character, whatnot. Um, they excuse her behavior far too much. Nothing about this character is good. I hate everything about her character because not only did the girls at the pink save her life and get her away from a person that wanted to kill her because of her own behavior, like, she brought that mess onto them. This man is in there trying to kill her because she stole half a million bucks from him. Like, are you kidding me? You can't get away with this stuff scot-free. That ain't nothing. And 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 how dare anybody, like, no. You idolize this? That, that right there already put me off. If that's the type of character you like, that tell me right there that you ain't the type of person that, that need to even be in the grace of, of Baskin's blessings at all. You you should suffer with other people like you. You know what I mean? And the other character that I want to uh, touch on is Keyshawn. And Keyshawn, or AKA Miss Mississippi, not only is she stunningly, oh, downright beautiful, amazing, just wow of a face and, and everything, like she's just stunning. The thing about Miss Mississippi that gets me is um, it does, her story depicts just how hard it is for women to get out of abusive uh, situations. And sometimes they get stuck in it and they actively defend their abuser in order to stay there. And she's been back and forward with this trying to grow strong enough to get away. And the, how her story ended at the end of season three was so tragic because she finally got herself together she was ready to leave and then guess what happens you know he pulls together some type of trick in order to fool the child protective services that she's the abuser and he isn't low down and dirty dog low down and dirty dog so i'm 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 looking for like season four i'm looking for revenge i want to see her get her you know what I'm saying get him back so he can get his comeuppance i want i want to see literally her basking in the joys of enjoying her children and getting them back and something needs to happen to that boy for falsely accusing that woman ain't no f it's it 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 yeah oh anyway anyway <clears throat> the 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 biggest thing that gets me is she did what she could but she made some mistakes along the way and honestly I don't blame her 100%, but when you consider what she's going through and the things that she was dealing with, you understand how she acts her way. So it's it's not like, you know, you can't villainize her, you know? it's it's It was confusing, it was a lot going on. She was stripping, 
it's the father of her child. She doesn't know what it's like to truly be loved without abuse. So she's gonna accept it as the norm. A lot of people just don't know. The one of the one of the biggest reasons why relationship advice from most people is trash is because no one person knows how another person's relationship should be run. Because it's two separate personalities, two separate brains, two separate spirits intertwined. Don't nobody know. The only thing that we can universally agree on is should nobody be getting beat on, and should nobody should be talked down on. It shouldn't be no negative behaviors. It should be positivity and 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 flourish it should be a great beautiful thing but you know some would say it's wishful thinking that i'm talking and some would say that it ain't that simple so we'll just leave it at the reason why people another thing that attests to people staying in abusive relationships is they oftentimes don't tell anybody and they keep it private for several reasons for embarrassment they don't want to tell another woman this is what this man be doing to me because they feel like they'd be embarrassed. Like, I know you're not letting this man beat on you. I know you're not being treated this way. Oh, no, hell no, come beat me, blah, 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 You know what I'm saying? And then they'd be afraid of things getting shaken up and not knowing what would happen with the kids or, you know, if they'll be. Cause, and, and think about it. As a stripper, you may lose custody of your children because they'll say that you're not running a household that's a good environment to raise those children when that's literally your only means of income. And we see that by example with Mercedes' storyline. You know, she couldn't have her daughter because the court would not let her have her kids. Like, it, it was obvious because she was a stripper. And it was, it's, it's, it's just, ooh wee. Y'all gotta, it's it's a lot. There's some layers to this show and it's very well written. Um, but the character that I wanna really like address the most and probably my favorite character, of course, is Lamarcus, aka Lil Murder, and Lil Murder, he's well, how do I explain? Lil Murder is a guy that that's made to be this bright light, to be a good help and an amazing presence for the people around him, a blessing to the people around him. Built to be that type of person, chose to be that type of person, but sadly, is also a product of his environment. I think I've touched on this before in past uh, podcast episodes, but uh, what it means to be a product of your environment is is not exactly what's in you, but what the world demanded of you and you became. And it makes sense, you know. Imagine if he grew up in a different place where there were better resources and, you know, uh, different things that he could have access to, different experiences that he could, you know, see and do. It's he would have been a completely different person, you know, but a lot of people, I don't want to go into detail, but a lot of people end up in gang life and gang lifestyle for not only protection, but to have something to belong to something. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's many, many, many reasons why, you know, and oftentimes those reasons why drown out reasons not to do it. So I can't really explain it to you to where you would understand, but it's a family when you have no family, you know? And most people really live and they live and die by it. And it's understandable. And there ain't no reason to judge people in their lifestyle. But that doesn't mean that all of them are, you know, like, you know, just, just geared toward violence, don't want to do nothing else. And just, you know, they're, they're not all terrible, dangerous, scary people. They have dreams, aspirations, and goals. They have skills and talents that they want to make use of. 
that they don't know how to because they were born in a position where economic prowess is not some common knowledge to come across and hell economic capability isn't that clear outside of dealing drugs so there's no reason to be a miss on how that is done it's 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 so much i would love this show is amazing and i'm not saying that just because it's based in mississippi and you know it's shedding a life on southern folk and how we live um but it's just it's just so wholesome and inspirational at the same time it hits you with everything it's made me laugh it's pulled a few tears out of me okay quite a bit and it's even like it's been scary at times you know i feel like <laughs> this show is perfect and i can't wait to see more and i've done everything i could to avoid talking in depth about little murder's character <laughs> but um sometimes when they use the saying you can't obey two masters or you can't wear two crowns well oftentimes the things that you're loyal to that has helped you survive and get this far the family that you've developed and and you hold dear can be at odds against who you really want to be and who you were born to be inside and when you met with those choices that crossroads that that that, that fork in the road it is incredibly anxiety inducing it, it causes depression it 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 ruins people sometimes because not everybody has the strength to live in their own truth especially when you've gotten this far and you don't know if you would have survived or not living in your truth but you attest that you've gotten this far because you were willing to hide your truth so sometimes we credit that hiding who we are to our survival and when we see examples to our left and our right of people who lived in their truths and lost their life for it then it, it justifies that type of lifestyle of hiding it and being a different person. And Lil Murder perfectly exemplifies this type of thing. Perfectly, perfectly. The um the things that go on, the stuff that happen, it's amazing. It's 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 just great, y'all. Y'all need to watch P Valley, bro. If you like any type of black media or something that's amazing and more real than most, then go ahead and get on that. Now, now I wanna um also talk about Atlanta season three especially but I hadn't really told I talked about season one and two so far I don't think I have I, I can't recall but Atlanta is a story about that centered around about four people and of course they live in Atlanta the main character being Ern and he has a cousin named Alfred aka paperboy a rapper and his baby mama but you know on again off again relationship uh with vanessa played by zazzy beats and a best friend played by lakeith stanfield shout out one of my favorites lakeith shout out lakeith um and his name is darius now the thing about this cast of characters and what they're going through is basically the pipeline of being kicked out of your mother's home trying to find a way college dropout can't figure out what to do with life type of thing and when we when we come upon Ern's journey in the from the first episode onward we realize that Ern is not a bad dude and 
he's not incompetent either. He just lacks, you know, some confidence. But that changes and you see him grow over time. Now, of course, Alfred, his cousin, aka Paperboy, he's basically a drug dealer, but he's getting up in age. And basically, he has his own place, has his own car. He's established with himself, but that's about it. And it makes him feel, I guess it makes him feel a little, he seems to show signs of depression because he has nothing else that he could literally go for or do for himself, I guess you could say. Or he's just bored with what he's brought about so far. I'm not sure. But the important thing is that from season one to season two, all of these characters have played a part in coming together as a team and making this music business thing happen. Whether it's from connections, who they know, or what they try to do, or knowledge that they acquire. Lakeith Stanfield's character, Darius, he's more of a existential prophet type of guy. He's, which I do relate to, he's, he likes to have his mind on things beyond the physical. You know, acquiring knowledge that most people shy away from or are afraid to acquire. And trying to make sense of it. And of course, his motives and his thoughts aren't like directly, <laughs> you know, making sense sometimes, but oftentimes what his friends fail to learn, but I think they're getting ready to learn from him is that if you just go along with him, he, it works out. You can, he, it, it's just, he, he doesn't believe in time as a construct. He likes to look at things in the big picture. So if you have the patience and, and you walk it out with him, it pays off. He's a good dude. He and There's not a bad bone in his body. And that's one of the best friends to have in your corner, you know? It, he doesn't always make sense, but sometimes that's what makes the most sense. Because everybody else is not making any more sense at all, you know? So he, he's, he's what you call the good gamble type of friend. Now, uh, Zazie Beat's character, Vanessa, aka they call her Van for short, Van, basically, you know, she's Ern's baby mama, but they live together in a sense that she's, well, she was a school teacher at the time, but um, that job fell through one night when she went out with a friend who has this habit of always hooking her up with ugly guys who were friends of the guy that she was trying to hook up with. And, you know, just assuming that she was, you know, lost out here doing bad, down bad, you know, and, and being a fool for Ern, you know. And during that night, she gave in and she decided to get high with her friend, which led to her failing a drug test the very next day at work. <laughs> so, um, well, she didn't exactly, well, she failed it, but it wasn't that big a deal. They just wanted to scare everybody with the drug test. But she gave up, just walked in the office and said, yeah, I smoked weed. And because she admitted that to a superior, she had no choice but to be fired right then on the spot. And, you know, things kind of got ugly from there. And whenever she tried to like, you know, she, there was a point where she started working at this bar and she was doing her best to try to like, you know, spend time with Ern and like, you know, meld his world with hers. And it made Ern kind of uncomfortable because he didn't want to be in a German bar and dancing around and stuff. That just wasn't his scene. He was uncomfortable in that setting. So, you know, it, they were having relationship issues to where they weren't exactly at service to one another, but more so just doing for one another without consideration of the other you know what i mean like 
it's the equivalent of buying your significant other a gift and it's like completely never it's a terrible gift you know they're they're constantly doing things to one another and for one another that shows that they don't truly know or understand one another you know and it's crazy it's it's, it's kind of weird but it is she was just going through something at the time and you know she wanted him to be supportive and he tried it just it it, it just didn't work you know and there was too much of this, uh, you know, giving and suffering and silence type of thing. Being like, oh, I was willing to go along with what you wanted. So why aren't you willing to go along with what I want? You know, that type of thing that never works. It's 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 something that you don't get to see enough in television when it comes to relationships. It's all like television relationships usually hide the ugly parts, you know what I'm saying, and the nuanced things to help people navigate these things. And it's partially the reason why we're kind of bad at relationships too, because one of the best uses of media is to be able to depict ourselves and see ourselves objectively. And if we're not showing real examples of things, then we're gonna just chase a false fantasy of a representation of a relationship or a false fantasy of being uh, an American citizen or a person of color or a whatever or a woman or a man like without these accurate depictions we end up with repeating the same issues because we don't know that they're problems you know and I like that this show really shows a relationship that has its complications because it's been guided by both parties feelings and the choices they made based on how they felt in the moment it's good it's good it's good it's good now another thing that i wanted to uh, touch on that's so interesting about season three let's 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 dial right in because season one and two is basically them starting out and season two comes up to them getting somewhere and earns getting better at managing but there's still some issues and some problems now season three earn is on his shit he is amazing at managing and really taking care of paperboard properly and you have darius being a good road dog helping him out giving some good advice in ways that they can't really make sense of but it works and he's great at showing them around and, and and giving them a good experience on things he knows how to get them to relax and chill out when they've been working too hard you know and that's good and season three shows earns growth in a very profound way and the important part of season three to me is that it goes full artistic it's not afraid to get that because there are always these episodes that are apart from the rest that like have their own self-contained stories and there are so many good ones in season three one of the best ones honestly is there's a full episode filmed in black and white that depicts the identity of people who are you know i guess you could say defined by their color based on behavior and by that being there was uh, episode what nine i think it was episode nine or seven i'll try to uh look it up and find out but um this episode basically covered the issue of being not black enough or being not white enough and you have a character here that's centered around this young man in high school, senior, about to graduate. He has no, how do you say? He does not have the funds to go to college. 
His father is black, however, but he is white passing. And at first, second, and third glance, you would never guess that he actually is black. And his father is actually bi biologically black. But he comes into an issue where everyone's graduating, his girlfriend's going to a certain college, and he can't get in. But they all go into this meeting one day at school, and this person shows up by the name of Kevin Sam, by, played by Kevin Samuels, and he says, "Hey, I used to go to this. I used to hold. I used to go to this high school, and I am the creator of the pink lotion that has been moisturizing black people's hairs, hair for years, and I want to give more. So I'm gonna pay for every single senior's college tuition in this school." And everybody's like, yeah, they were turning up and they were happy. And he said, but only the black ones. And then the black kids just started cheering and turning up even more. And so here he is devastated that he really might not get into college. So paranoia sets in. He looks on Instagram. He sees his girlfriend, you know, posting that she's going to this college. And she sees black. He sees this black guys like commenting under her Instagram. And suddenly he gets real paranoid. And as he's going crazy, his girl just says, we might as well just break up. I know you're not going, you're not gonna make it. We, we, we gotta cut this off here. So he gets depressed, goes crazy, and decides to build a flamethrower and go burn the school down. On his journey to burn the school down, he met with this other black kid as he after he got there. And the black kid shows up with a flamethrower as well. He said he was gonna burn the school down. It's like, but why are you? You didn't get the scholarship? It's like, no. He said, I'm from, what did he say he was from? I think he said he was, was he, was he Nigerian? Or was he from, or is he Haitian? I can't remember. But he was basically a, a black person, but he was an African-American. And that disqualified him from getting the scholarship because he was not in tune with black culture in America. And therefore he didn't get the scholarship. And this made him depressed and wanted to burn the school down, which was, you know, I guess understandable. And his plea was very understanding. He said, oh my God, like, you don't even understand how good you got it. How can you be mad? You look white. Like you just walked down here with a big old flamethrower strapped on your back. I had to hide this, break it down, and then assemble it after I got off the bus. <laughs> like, and he's like, I, I, I hate you, bro. Like, I, I want to kill you. I'm going to burn you right now. And so they started out in a flamethrower fight. And as it went on, the, the kid, the, uh, the main, our main character runs out of fuel and he decides to take off the flamethrower and run. But he got caught by the black kid and by irony he caught him in a place where he was like yeah this is where the black kids eat lunch and as soon as he was about to shoot the flamethrower he got shot in the shoulder as he got shot by a policeman uh it cut to a later scene where everything was wrapped up the police arrived and the ambulance was there as the boy was getting wheeled away by the ambulance uh the man the the guy who kevin samuel's character ran up to the campus and he said oh my god did y'all try to burn down my school he said, look, young man, getting shot by the police is the blackest thing you could ever do. So don't worry about your medical bills. And here's your check for your tuition, man. Enjoy your college. Man. And, you know, he was grateful. He was like, thank you, thank you. Meanwhile, the white kid, <laughs> just they, no one cared. And he just got left behind. And nothing else happened. It was done for. And now, after that entire scene and everything, because I paraphrase most of the story, of course. 
and just you know we just stuck to the important beats but once it got to the point where they cut after his arrest well it seems that this kid completely reinvented himself and started acting even more black in his mannerisms he started talking black he started brushing his hair to get waves he's wearing earrings in his ears and you know things like that and he and he and he completely adopted the aave he is completely talking so black it's crazy and it's jarring too and his ex-girlfriend who went off to college he's working in a tech tech appliance store right and she walks in and just goes hi have you been and he just keeps it short with it oh you know same shit different day blah 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 and says nothing else you know what I'm saying just just kept it silent and she didn't know what to say she just oh, and she go well it was nice seeing you again and he was like all right later and then before she walks all the way away he goes hey by the way i've never been more attracted to you than i am right now and then she gets all giddy and starts smiling and suddenly he looks at the camera smiles and then they starts playing they start playing you know some classic black r&b was it was it don't disturb his groove or was it uh i don't i don't recall but it was um this entire episode was filmed in black and white and i i gave a, a recap of this episode the reason why is because this was the most black mirror thing that i've ever seen with a black twist you know and it's amazing like I, I i this depicted exactly the main thing that a lot of people don't understand to be a problem and that's where he's white passing even though he's actually black and they are appropriating our culture in a sense if you some could say they're appropriating our culture and some could also say that they should have a right to it and it's blurring the line between what is black and what isn't and who is and who isn't so even though we witnessed these things happen it felt uncomfortable as a person of color watching it because it's like okay i saw you at the beginning of the episode you spoke proper vernacular in the queen's english and you carried yourself in a completely different demeanor so what happened to you that made you want to act like this you know but and and it ends up and and the and the ugliest part about it is that it ends up working for him it ends up working for him and he even though he didn't reach no like financial or career success and he suffered in the system it's like that really tapped him into un like knowing what it mean to be black like he he got the full experience despite being white passing so could we say that it was justice that he didn't get away because he was white passing like you know do you say that the right thing happened and even then it also tells a very interesting story about how you have a group of people that are attracted to the hypersexualizing image of males of a people of color, you know, black males, but they're they wouldn't dare bring black males home to marry. They wouldn't let their mother meet them. They wouldn't tell their family I'm dating this black guy. But a white guy who acts black, well, that's a completely different thing, huh? So yeah, it's it's so many layers to that one episode, and it's my favorite one. But everything in this season, it shows that they're our our cast outside of that episode. Our cast of characters are now becoming more established. They're more comfortable with the success that they've been getting overseas. 
having a good time with people, fans of, you know, their work, and it's really getting them somewhere, you know? And that was, by the way, the episode that I uh, completely recapped, that was, let me see, episode eight, I think. So, here's the thing. I feel like the crew, our Atlanta crew, they're experiencing life outside of American influence. When you're overseas, everyone sees being black as a different thing. It's not going to have the same... How do you say subtleties and nuances on what it means to be black when you're outside of America? So you get to see that our characters get to express themselves differently. They get to be who they want to be. They get to reinvent themselves. And that's one of the things that Van has done during her time in Paris, in, in France. It's she's just, you know, living a different life, almost as if she forgot that she had a complete daughter over back in America, you know, she's just trying to find herself. And and it's understandable because she never got a chance to. She She's, you know, in her 20s and she has a child, <laughs> you know? Like, what else is she able to do? In a, in a terrible economy, like, she doesn't have time to explore who she is. And it, it's understandable. You got Darius, you know, completely exploring his style and wearing different clothes. He dyed his hair. He's being his fully realized self without being held back by a lack of money, you know? And Earn, we see him growing in a completely opposite way. He didn't exactly change his style or his clothes or anything. He's mostly just lost himself in his work and he's motivated to prove to Paperboy that, to, to Alfred, that he can be a great manager to him. And that's all he does now. He's lost himself in his work. He overworks. He does nothing but work because he wants to prove that he can be dependable for a change. Because everyone keeps telling him that he's a failure of a man, a failure of a career person, and he's not dedicated to anything. He hasn't stuck with anything. He doesn't seem to be reliable. Well, now he's gonna he's nutting up and he's shutting up and he's showing that he can be reliable. And once he becomes reliable and you can count on him, now everybody's begging him, don't work so much, relax, don't be like this. Da -da 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 -da. This is a natural progression of black male. I ain't gonna just say black males, but males in general, what life is like for us when there's nothing more than complaints about guys being broke or not having anything or not doing anything with their lives. But you meet a guy who actually has something going for them and the only complaints you hear when you are busy and you have shit to do is that you work too much, you work too much, you work too much, you don't spend time with me, you don't do anything with me. The money got to keep coming and if I ever choose to not work, then that's more room for me to be replaced. No, because this stuff needs to get done. If he slips on managing Paperboy, then Paperboy would have to trust a whole new manager to manage his career. And then you don't even know if you can trust these new people. This is somebody that Paperboy can trust, that has his back. He needs Earn. Earn needs Paperboy, and they all need each other. They are a team, and it works. And I think that's one of the things that Vanessa is going through right now is that now that Earn has gotten up and gotten his own, in a sense, he's found something he's found a purpose to live for and the other guys have found their purpose and she's still there so at this point she's doing what she can to try to she's doing everything she can to develop her own 
thing, like who she is and what she can become. Without looking weak, she doesn't want to like come crawling back, you know, pride. She doesn't want to feel like she's crawling back to earn after they had their little fight, disagreement and whatnot. And it's soul crushing because she's still there raising the baby and here he is going off in France, Germany, doing shows, getting paid, doing what he wants, living how he wants, in a sense. You know what I mean? In her eyes, he's living it up and he's succeeded and she feels like a failure. And, and that would really eat away at her, you know what I mean? It makes sense that she was depressed and she ended up with some like dissociative disorder when it comes to being a parent. It, it makes sense. Everything in this show is astonishing. The character progression is amazing. And I can't wait to see more. This is basically the best I can do for a think piece on this show. And I had the most fun watching it. I kind of want to recap episode four. The, the, the episode that I did recap, excuse me, correction again. That was episode nine of season three. You need to watch it. It's called Rich Wigger, Poor Wigger. And the other one I want to recap is The Big Payback. But I don't think I should have to. Everything, every single episode in here tackles big issues that have been going on for the past like five or so years when it comes to racial matters. From BLM to the, um, you know, what it means to be such and, you know, gentrification and colonization and just the hijacking of other people's creations it's it's just astounding but we're gonna end the atlanta talk here i'll probably recap another episode later um if i was able to handle the workload i would love to recap the series uh episode by episode but um this was amazing and i love atlanta this is this is an amazing amazing show and it makes me want to learn more about the life out there or you know saying or at least like experience because I just feel like it'll be valuable knowledge I feel like it'll be very valuable knowledge now that's enough for the segment of what we've been watching this week of course it's been some very black media I'm sure but um, amazing media nonetheless um, of course well, let me see the shows that's coming up is gonna be she Hulk so I guess we're gonna be uh, recapping that we're gonna get back into our superhero stuff I may get myself to watch Ms. Marvel. Uh, what was it? Yeah, yeah, Ms. Marvel. May get myself into watching it. Hopefully, uh, I'll enjoy it, and we shall see. Now, aside from all of that, what we've been playing this week is um, we came across the Mortuary Assistant, gave it a shot. Bro, Mortuary Assistant is pretty good. It's, it's an amazing horror game. Like, there's nothing more unsettling than working with dead bodies on a rainy night in a mortuary. I don't even understand why they would even dare do such a thing at night. Like run your shift during the daytime. And stop this nonsense. <laughs> like, come on. But um, basically the whole premise of the game is thus. And I believe we discussed it when we played the demo a while back, but here's a, a quick recap. So you are the mortuary assistant. You get hired to assist this uh, mortician. And it's your job to basically prep bodies for either burial or cremation and the whole process of you know prepping a body is very elaborate and you have to learn how to do such and you go step by step to do it as if you're actually working there and while you're doing these tasks 
strange things happen. Weird beings appear. They 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 scare you. They jump at you. They talk to you. They they fool you even. And it's very intuitive. I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about the game. It's just that good at scaring you. And all everything within it is like a contained experience. Now we've had some. I'm I'm, I'm gonna get this out of the way. Basically, you get you go in. You have to grab a body from cold storage and put it on the operating table. You wire the mouth shut, close the eyes with eye caps, and you, what's the, what's the next thing? Yeah, you have to drain the body of all fluids, and then you have to fill the body uh, cavities with cavity fluid. And after you do such, you clean the, um, What's what the uh the uh the um not the embalming but the uh, what was it called uh, the the machine that's used in order to drain the body of his liquids I forgot embalming you have to clean the embalm the embalming machine and once you clean it it's um time to just basically either store the body or find out if you need to cremate it and this is where things get interesting so once you get done with the examination of the body and you know identifying scars and marks and bruises and whatnot then you drain it and you prep it at this point you got to find out if this body is possessed now apparently there are demons and these demons possess these dead bodies and you have to find out which demon it is based on the markings and sigils that appear by using these letting strips and these letting strips will burn as you walk around to reveal these markings, which will tell you the demon's name by gathering these four sigils and you have to put them on a mark in order to depict the demon's name. And then you take that mark and you place it on the body. Then you burn it, you have to burn it. Because if you don't put them, if you don't figure out the demon's name with the mark and place it on the body, then it won't bind the demon to that body. So you have to take it, burn it, and then it will get rid of and exercise the demon. And then you have to get rid of the ashes in a specific way. This game is astounding. I'm still standing up on end with the ways that it scared me. I'm right now, my hairs are standing up, bro. It's amazing. So the Mortuary, mortuary Assistant, if you like anything that I've just described, you need to check it out. It's actually good. The scares come at very random times. They're completely unpredictable. You cannot be ready for them. And it's good. It's just good. I'm gonna give it another shot. I wanna review this game. So we're gonna give it another shot. Uh, we got it completely updated because sadly, there's been some bugs and some glitches because uh, this is an indie game, but it works well and it's well done. So what we're gonna, we're, we're gonna take another crack at it come this Tuesday. Uh, we gotta, you know, it's, it's, we, we're just gonna give it another crack and we're gonna try. I've yet to exercise one of those demons. So we're gonna have to try to exercise one of those demons and see what happens. But yeah, good game. Now, another game that has been released this past week is called Rumbleverse. It's some new battle royale fighting 3D arena fighting game. Uh, it's interesting. The art style leaves a lot to be desired. It's very, um, grotesque at times but um it can be a bit of fun 
Uh, I played it a bit, tested it out, and I finished uh, number two at the highest rank. It's not bad, but I wasn't really motivated to get number one because I've been playing Battle Royales since 2019, 18, like, and, 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 uh, ugh, you know, but it's an interesting game nonetheless, and it's very easy to gank people and run up on them. So the premise is thus. Uh, everybody gets launched into this enclosed city, open world, open map city. It's like a, it's, it's, it's literally just buildings and streets and cars in a city. But you have these boxes littered everywhere. You can smash these boxes open and pick up certain buffs, things that will give you like extra 10 health and on your max health or your max energy, which these are the two bars that you have to manage. Of course, energy is used to do attacks and jumps and climbing up buildings, but also you have these special abilities that you can equip by reading magazines or books that you find in these boxes or out in, you know, ground loot. And you'll learn like special uppercuts, special grapple moves, etc. And each moves have different properties like unblockable or unescapable and you know guard break etc and you can use all of these and the more you do so uh, you can also pick up these stars in the open field these stars uh, will fill up a meter and you'll get superstar mode once you activate superstar mode you now only not only do you have increased speed and power but you also have access to a super powerful finisher move which is basically a ultimate muscle type of thing <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's pretty dope and I could say it could be a very fun time with people I I, I wouldn't mind playing this with some people it, it, it looks to be somewhat fun so yeah I don't hate it but we still been on multiverses this whole week y'all and we've been having some fun and there's a new season at Apex they've now released this new character Vantage uh, she's very useful I'd say not bad at all um, I understand how to use her, but I need a little practice. Um, one of the biggest things about her is that she makes it very easy to snipe, and you can become a better sniper by using her, which would make sniper rifles even more viable on other characters for other people. So yeah, it's she's pretty useful, and her ultimate, the sniper rifle, not only does it do more damage than regular snipers, but if you hit them once, you mark them, and your second hit will be increased damage on that target. And I think that's true even if you were to do so with other weapons on a marked enemy. I'm not completely positive. But it's worth testing out. That's worth doing a Mythbusters. I had to find one. But Vantage is a great character, and she can use her bat in order to jump two people, uh, uh, jump high distances. So wherever she places the bat, she can jump to the bat. And simple enough, it's very useful. As long as the bat is in your line of sight, you can jump to that location and she gets a second jump off of the bat. Basically, it's like a Octane Ultimate with the jump pad and a easy mode, you know, version of Tap Strafe with the double jump off the bat. So yeah, I feel like this is the character that would let the, I guess you could say below average skilled players make them capable as much as the more skilled players you know it, it's 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 a tutorial character it, it can make you a better sniper and better at mobility and better at awareness better at positioning so yeah she's a great character i love it very 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 well done
Now, another thing that we played this week was, uh, you know, we've been working on the retro achievements for Mega Man X. The Mega Man X achievement for zero mode with no sub tanks, no heart tanks, and no body armor, so you take twice the damage with no Hadouken. You have to beat the entire game in that state. We did it, y'all. We, we fucking did it. We actually killed it. Like, I, I, we tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, and I got it done. And boy, did it feel good when I finally got it done. So, we did it. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, I was just happy as hell. I blew my voice out yelling on stream, bro. Like, it was so good. It was so good. I, I enjoyed myself. So, I, I guess I could look forward to the X2 set. But I'm not too fond of looking at that uh, X3 set. Because y'all know Mega Man X3 hard as hell. That ain't no easy game. I don't care what y'all say. But anyway. Uh, but I am looking forward to the X4 set. But that'll be down the line. We we need to uh, detox on some Mega Man for right now. <laughs> With the way that set did me, boy. Ooh but um, I'm just happy that we got it done. And of course, uh, Friday came along and we continued our Def Jam Vendetta adventure, but I forgot how broken and imbalanced that game was. So yeah, I just turned on the uh, action replay cheats. <laughs> and uh, we ran through it like it wasn't nothing. It, it was good though still, and I enjoyed myself. We had a good discussion about everything within it, and it was fun. Also, hold up, wait a minute. We went from there to playing another game in particular. Um, wait, did we switch to multiverses? I think we switched to multiverses. Yeah, because that was fighting game Friday. So we played some multiverses, and I came across a few uh, people who've just been playing the most OP characters. So you've been seeing a lot of Finn and a lot of um, Bugs Bunny. And I've been coming across some good Jake players too, which is weird. I can't make sense of it, it's, it's weird. But uh, Jake players, they the the biggest thing about Jake players is that when they know how to use that aerial angle punch, it's so annoying, man. It's 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 so much, too much. I can't stand it. They all make me sick because they all do the same things. Every time they're in the air, they're just gonna do that down smash. They turn into a um, they turn into a house or a boat or something, and it's the same old shit, you know. But uh, for the most part, I be whooping the ass. Some of them come across and they win. Some of them, but very few. It's that sum is very few. But um, it's still the same. I'm still kicking ass with Batman, tearing shit up. You know, batarangs all day. Hey, hey, hey. But um, yeah. So we move forward. Now, Saturday was a real good day. We did our smooth stream. We had a good ass time. Um, I feel like we enjoyed ourselves more than we thought we would. It's been a real good week, y'all. We got some good news, and this podcast, bro, we, man, this recording is like an hour in, and we ain't even touched on, uh, yeah, we, we hadn't even touched the news, but um, I said we had a good time. Saturday was super lit. We enjoyed ourselves. We did some Apex. We did some of everything, and just had a good time. So um, if you like the sound of this, then go ahead and stop by. You know what I'm saying? Pull up. Come through. And thank you for those who did um other than that we had a good week we experienced a lot of good stuff and i can't wait to experience some more so here's to another week that's as good as the last all right let's get into this news though first things first very short eurogamer.net 
Microsoft claims Sony pays developers blocking rights to keep games off of Xbox Game Pass as scrutiny of Activision Blizzard buyout continues. So right now Sony is trying to make sure that their games have some type of exclusive value because uh, Microsoft just purchased Activision Blizzard and Bethesda. So what like that, that's going to affect a lot of things for these PlayStation releases. But Microsoft agreed to just continue to have those you know games be published on PlayStation being like Call of Duty and etc. So this is going to be great. Um, there's a lot going on, but behind closed doors, apparently, according to this article, Sony is doing what they can to spend money and keep their games off of the Xbox Game Pass. So, when things become complicated like this, you just have to let this tire fire burn and find out where things fall when important things are in question. And right now, Sony is trying to protect themselves from their potential losses due to Microsoft's acquisition. Um, because Microsoft bought so many companies that make games for PlayStation, Sony's doing what they can, what they can, to make sure that those games are not available on Xbox Game Pass, but only on the PlayStation. And that's the best way to sum all of that up. Anywho's next thing on GadgetSnow.com, GadgetSnow, I said GadgetSnow, GadgetSnow.com. Riot Games forced to shut down Valorant's competitive queue, and here's why. Basically, there was a tweet from the official account said we're disabling the competitive queue while we work to fix an exploit that bypasses the flash effect from agent abilities. We'll update as soon as we're back. So, of course, anybody who's played Valorant, you would know that that is a huge issue because there's plenty of characters that are built around the fact that they are a walking flashbang. And if people can circumnavigate flashbangs, all of them, then that makes not only characters useless, but the entire game broken. So that's understandable. It's not something too big to say too many more words on, but that is a huge bug that is completely ridiculous. Next over on PCGamer.com, Multiverses smashes 10 million player milestone in just three weeks. Of course, everybody's playing the Multiverses. It's the latest free-to-play Smash clone out here. Uh, I call it Smash clone because I ain't no Multiverses partner and y'all didn't send me no code. So deal with it. You're a fucking Smash clone. Y'all know what you is, all right? Enjoy your time in the limelight too, because games do get old and they eventually phase out. And Smash Bros. is still around, so get ready. Anywho's, next thing on the docket over at GamesIndustry.biz, Call of Duty pulls DLC after plagiarism, plagiarism accusation. So basically, if you remember last week, we talked about how they plagiarized a skin from a person's fan art of that was included in a different game. So here we are dealing with the fallout where they just removed it. They just they just pulled it and they succeeded. They they just said, "Hey, here you go. Cool. Um, there's not much else to say on this." But uh, I will quote. They said, "We have the utmost respect for creativity and content creation. We love the loyal Samoyed, so the loyal Samoyed, but." Regrettably, we erred, we erred in our process and have removed this imager from this game. We apologize for the misstep. So there you have it. That's their best way to uh, make sense of it. But over on the same site, gamesindustry.biz, study finds Chinese youth plays less in wake of restrictions. Nico Partners finds 54% of minors playing comply with last year's tightened restrictions, limiting minors to one hour a day, Friday through Sunday. So if you remember, China had a huge restriction on gaming for the previous year, making it where they could only game for one hour a day. 
and I guess they have become acclimated to that and now they game much less in China and it's understandable that they did such a thing because gaming was rampant in China. They used gaming to like get a leg up on their entire economy and made their entire country become addicted to mobile gaming and um, microtransactions. So it's understandable that this happens and it's a good thing that it did, honestly. So yeah, shout out to Jeffrey Rousseau, very good article and a good read. And he says right here, the market research and consulting firm said that 6% of Chinese youth played games during 2020 and 52% of the overall population engaged in the hobby that year. Additionally, Nico Partners forecasted that 56% of the Chinese youth population will be playing games by the year 2026. So stricter content regulations regarding video games followed the implementation of China's 2021 limit on playtime. During March, the Cyberspace Administration of China introduced a new proposal for rules further restricting access to online services in the country, including games. In April, China ended its nine-month ban on game approvals. So from here, we're just going to have to see if things are going to slide back to how they were or will they remain after these restrictions were put in place. And lastly, last thing on the docket, we have a new trailer for Alone in the Dark. This is supposed to be a reboot, I assume, a new depiction of this classic series which I've never actually played, but apparently they're bringing it back and it looks amazing, like astounding. Looks to be a third person shooter horror adventure and I can't wait to get a hold of it. It's uh, apparently gonna be released on the PS5, Xbox Series X and S and the PC. Can't wait, the atmosphere looks great, the graphics look great, the monsters look great. Everything is very mysterious and interesting. I can't wait. THQ Nordic, good job. It looks great. THQ have been a long time running, trying their best to make some great original IP games. And I feel like they always knock it out the park for the most part. And I can't wait to see what they do with this. I have a lot of faith in this developer and they've always made me satisfied. But anyways, that's everything on the docket and everything that I could tell y'all in this episode of the Slim Codcast. And basically this coming week, we're going to be having some fun. I'm not exactly sure what show I'm going to put up. Most likely we're going to be watching some anime this coming week. I can't wait. But all in all, y'all take care and be easy because honestly, this is going to be pretty good and I can't wait. Always remember that it's love, peace, and head grease. Hug your nephew and love your niece. And remember the channel motto, intentions are the most important, actions ain't nothing but loud, and words don't mean a damn thing. Y'all take care of yourselves, and peace.